<laughs> Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And today, at least according to the grease board, today we're going to find out why dogs are better than cats. Is this correct? That's what it says. I didn't make it up. But you wrote it up there, right? I know, because that's, That's, that's what the study shows. The study shows... There's a study that shows, ...that dogs are better than cats. Yes, Hal, I'm afraid it's true. It also says that cat people are more neurotic than (laughs) Oh, you're kidding. (laughs) (laughs) If the shoe fits, Hal. (laughs) Okay, so cat people band together, listen on today's show, because I believe they're going to condemn us. Is that that what's going to happen? No, no. I have dogs and cats. I think they're both wonderful. Yes, me too. You're just as crazy as anybody else. That's so I don't think you're any more neurotic than I am, certainly. Well, thank you, Hal. I take that as a compliment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also on today's show, a guy who uh, has put together a system to rent out animals. What is borrow. it? Borrow. Borrow animals. Borrow. Yes, borrow like dogs? Borrow, yes. Borrow d- just for a while. If you want to go for a hike or a run, just borrow a dog for a couple hours. Huh. Yeah. That's weird. And I also see we have this uh, bat guy, Robin Myers, on the show today. Yeah, he's got some, some That's cool. neat thing that they're doing from a movie set. Really? Yeah. It has to do with bats. You know, bats are so cute. Yeah, and it has to do with a Superman and Batman movie. Okay, well, that's yeah. on the way. How about uh, we find out what's going on in the newsroom? Oh, big story. One of the top 10 biggest cities in the country has just voted that uh, no pets from breeders are going to be sold in their city. We'll tell you where it is. Oh. I hope it's a trend. Mm. We'll find out in just a couple of minutes. Let's go to the phones for your calls first. Well, good afternoon, Emily. How are you doing? Yes, I'm fine. Thank you. Where are you calling from today? Um, this is Emily Gonzalez from California. Oh, I love it. So, Emily, how can we help you? What's going on? I got the whole team here for you. Yes, thank you so much. I do appreciate on what you're doing. But, uh, but uh, Let me start first. I have a Maltese poodle mix, but she's tiny. She's a tiny kind of a white dog. And then okay. she gave birth to four puppies, but the dad is a chihuahua. And then oh, she wow. had, yeah, the dad was a black one. So her her uh, puppies were one black and three white, all the same as her. Okay. So now my concern is she's kind of a, her puppies are so big, they suck good with, with the milk, with her mm-hmm. milk. And I'm feeding her goat's milk ever since uh, she gave birth, goat's milk um, mixed with dry food. And then every, I think every four hours. But the mom mom has to have only once a day, the can said, once a day, one tablespoon. And then mix oh. it with, with um, I think, four tablespoons. Um, okay. Dilute it with water. And then some are in the morning, I give her oatmeal. Hard-boiled egg, uh, put a little bit, um, pinch of wheat germ, that's in the morning. So the rest are just her dog food. But she, I think she never gained weight or something. And now okay. the puppies are one month, so I think she doesn't, she doesn't, one of the puppies have already two, okay. one of the eldest puppies. Okay. Let's talk about our expectations for a um, recent litter being born. So we know that the demands that a mama dog is going to go through, they're going to eat at least twice as much as they used to when they're 
in the second half of their pregnancy. Once they start nursing, that can actually go up to as much as three times. And we're talking calories. So the challenge becomes, um, we often see that um, recently pregnant dogs, once they start nursing, it really sucks the energy off them. So it can be a problem for a lot of female dogs to actually hold their weight. So they tend to lose a lot of weight. That, that producing milk really takes a lot of energy. So some of the strategies I recommend, and rather than I think focus on what other things you can add to the diet, um, mm-hmm. like the wheat germ and the oatmeal, would be really to focus on feeding a good quality puppy food to her. And um, dry and or canned is fine, but she's going to need to eat throughout the day. And um, for her right now, I would be weighing her and really watching her condition to make sure that she's not um, losing weight from where mm-hmm. she was um, prior to the pregnancy. Um, mm-hmm. If so, and if she still has some interest in food, then we may need to increase her feeding amount. Now, we okay. are getting, I will say, to the end of when we're, or not to the end, to the point when we're going to start um, these pups are going to be weaned. So at three to four weeks is when really we're going to start offering the puppies some kind of food. So I usually recommend starting with a little canned puppy food and take a little bit of puppy milk. Um, I'd prefer that over goat's milk um, and mixing that in there, making that like a little oatmeal for the babies. Now you can also use that canned puppy food for mom as well. Um, but you're going to find that she's going to need to eat a lot to keep up with all of that milk. Um, and, uh, as far as one thing that probably isn't going to be a situation for you, but I do like to mention, cause people who have large breed dogs don't always realize this. So if you have large breed dogs that have puppies, you don't want to feed the mom and the puppies, the, the large breed puppy food at that point when they're pregnant and just nursing, cause they really need general puppy food. It, it causes some calcium problems with the babies. So, but I would just make sure that gal is eating and you're going to be at a point now where we need to start offering the babies a little food and you'll find that as they start to eat on their own, the milk demands are going to go down and then she may hopefully stable, stabilize with her weight and with her regular eating habits. Yeah, I guess that's a good idea. Yeah, and, um, yeah, and I think just remember the volume. You know, both during pregnancy when they're when they're pregnant, there's not a lot of room for food, so they have to eat regularly. Um, and then when they're nursing, um, it's just there. There's a lot of energy need, and dogs that are pregnant or nursing, they really need a good, high quality diet that's got plenty of fat, plenty of protein, and we're really you know maybe less uh, concerned about the uh, carbohydrates in there. But we want to make sure we don't skimp on that protein and fat because that's really what she's going to be needing. And we could also use the dry puppy food for for the puppies, just soak it with milk a little bit. Well, I would start first with canned because, you know, as they're just cutting teeth, they're not quite ready for that. You can use dry, but you really have to make it mushy with either a little warm water or warm milk to get it kind of in an oatmeal consistency. You start with Mm -hmm. that, and then later you move up to the dry food. Um, and, and, and for some dogs, you know, like I mentioned, just regular old, um, you know, high quality premium puppy food is what we'd be looking at. There are also some, um, what you call them, uh, performance diets, um, that like dogs that are very, uh, physically active and athletic sports. Those are also pretty close to the nutritional profile so that we can feed to a mom who's, uh, uh, nursing well, pups as well. Needs more calories. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much. And it was okay. like I, I I appreciate on um your advice and everything I think, and also I'm saving money for this because if I went to a doctor doctor's clinic, <laughs> it cost me. Well, you're taking just, donations, right? Yeah. Well, let me just remind you, though. you got about two weeks, and you're going to need to get those puppies in to your veterinarian to start their six-week um, parvovirus vaccinations. So make sure you don't uh, let time get away from you. 
puppies. Emily, thank you so much for your call today. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free Happy Homes. Don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Happy Homes. Helping your pets live their happiest, healthiest, fullest lives at home, at the vet, and everywhere in between. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. And thanks, Fear Free, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hey, Animal Radio, it's Vinny Penn, your party animal coming at you. Uh, I could get in trouble on this one um, because I know you're all animal lovers and you don't draw the thin lines um, that maybe I do. There are some animals I find a bit more difficult to love than others. Uh, so if you want to come and get me, you know, always feel free. Vinny at AnimalRadio.com. I welcome your emails. I enjoy reading them and I, I email, every, I respond to every one of them. This particular subject, I may have even covered it loosely before, but I'm going to get a little bit more intricate right now, has to do with roadkill. I know we're in the middle, the economy is tanking. I mean, we're as close to the Great Depression as we've been since the Great Depression. Uh, And I know there are layoffs aplenty, city workers, golden handshakes, but the length of time roadkill is hanging around in my area is obscene these days. I mean, you're running over the same squirrels and possum and uh, possi. Is that the plural of possum? I'm not really sure. And raccoons. It's really all quite disgusting. And it's going on day to day to day to day to day. And maybe there's been so many layoffs, they just can't get to it. But I say, if it's a cat or a dog or even if you get to the point of a deer, that should be um, a priority. That one should go out priority. And, and now I don't want to be dismissive of the possum or the possi, and, and that's why I think some of you might get mad at me. But, I mean, these nocturnal creatures that are these squirrels, I mean, you do see a lot of that. The dog or the cat, that's a priority, particularly anything with a collar around its neck. I don't want to be bleeding hard here, but I mean it. A dog should be picked up within a half an hour tops of uh, of being reported in. I don't want to drive by that repeatedly uh, with the, the these guys. What what else is their job? They're, and, I, and I don't even know what their job title is. Roadkill inspector. I mean, it sounds like a movie for, uh, for the Gitter Dunn guy. All I know is, you know, <laughs> I'm going to come right out and say it. Possum, all right, you, you know, I, I can see it coming up. Yeah, we got a possum down on Main Street, dead possum on Main Street. It's Monday morning, over. Yeah, I'm not really going to be able to get to that, maybe until tomorrow or the next day. That's fine. As I said, it's a possum. You can take that day or two. All right, fine. But if you get... We got a dog on Main Street. That's priority over. I want to hear that SOB come back. I'm on my way. Vinny Penn. Party Animal on Animal Radio.
would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143-800-689-0143-800-689-0143-That's 800-689-0143. the phones in just a couple of seconds for your calls. Don't forget you can ask your questions from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android, and it's a free download. Uh, This next guest here, Liam Berkeley, he's the founder of an organization called Bark and Borrow, and I think just the title alone, I was like, okay, we got to get this guy on the phone. I want to find out what he does. Liam, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. How are you? Splendid. Tell us, what is Bark and Borrow? Yeah, absolutely. Bark and Borrow is a mobile app that connects busy dog owners to people that love dogs, want a dog, um, can't have one full time, but would love one whenever they can have one, whether it be um, an afternoon hike, uh, a walk in the park, or even sometimes a long weekend. Well, well, um, where do the dogs come from? Yeah, so so we, we connect borrowers, people that love dogs but can't have one, to owners that could do with a helping hand and... Uh, it really started because I moved over to the States. As, uh, I was contemplating getting a dog with my girlfriend at the time, but I was working 11, 12-hour days, and it didn't make sense. She was in school and had a job on the side, so it, it really didn't make sense for us to commit to a dog at the stage of life we were at. So I started meeting people in my building, and I started meeting people on hikes here in L.A., and um, they became familiar faces, and I would always attend to their dog first and play with their dog and end up talking to the owner. And after this kind of went on for a while, I... Uh, ended up just saying, look, I go running two afternoons a week. I'd love to take your dog for a run. It's, it makes it more enjoyable for me. And they said, yeah, of course, absolutely. You know, take my take my number. Let me, just give me a call and we'll set it up. So as I was doing it, as, as I'd take uh, their dog for a run, people would come up to the dog and pat the dog and talk to me and tell me how much they or tell me how cute that my dog was and, and, and tell me how much they missed their dog. Uh, they either just moved here from the East Coast or they've just got a new job where they don't have time or they, they, uh, they've moved into a new apartment, which, you know, for those reasons, they can't have a dog. And I would explain, firstly, that it wasn't my dog, um, but then it kind of got me thinking. I thought, well, there's quite a few people that feel the same way that I do. They, they wish they had a dog. I grew up with dogs my whole life. And I thought, well, imagine if there was this platform that connected dog owners with people that love dogs just as much as the owner loves their dog i mean to me it made sense i thought i I was seeing people spending you know 70 to 150 dollars on getting their dog walked or having someone look after their dog at night and i thought why pay for that when there's someone that would love to do it for a short amount of time and not expect to get paid it's just how do you find that person and how do you establish that relationship so i'd build out a, a platform and a, and a product that let, let people connect and establish relationships. I wanted people to experience kind of 
what I what I was experiencing, being able to have a dog two afternoons a week when I go for a run. I, like I said, I couldn't commit to one full time, but being able to have a companion when you go running or going down to the beach for the weekend well, with my girlfriend, it was it was perfect. It was it was the next best option to owning a dog, and I just felt it was unfair for people because there there really is no medium between. Um, not having a dog and kind of committing to one for the next 15 years of your life, which don't get me wrong, it's an incredible commitment. But like myself, there's, there's a lot of people that uh, are not at a stage in their life where they can make that great commitment. So this is this is the next best thing, and that's why I wanted. That's why why I started it. Well, it seems like a great idea, a great concept, and everything. But I'm always the Debbie Downer kind of guy. I, I gotta, I gotta say, because you even said it yourself. You said after a while of of visiting with this other dog, then you started to develop a relationship. The the owner eventually lets you uh, go with the dog solo. Yeah. I guess this is a, this is really a, something that takes time to develop a, a, a trust in somebody. And I don't think that I would immediately allow my dog to just go out with somebody that I met over an app. No, absolutely. And we, and we don't suggest that at all. And it does take trust in establishing the right relationship. And that's why it comes down to profiles and ratings and reviews and how expressive and passionate the borrower is. The borrower has to reach out to the owner, express why they don't have a dog, their history with dogs. Did they grow up with dogs? Why they love dogs? Why they want to borrow that owner's why they want to borrow that owner's dog, why they can't have a dog at this stage in their life. And we see that, and we, we, we see that on the back end of our system, and we see our users expressing their love and passion for this concept because there's a lot of people that, that can relate to this. And then it's, it's really a relationship based on that and connecting with the right person and establishing a relationship. And even upon that, uh, we, we vet and review each profile before they're even granted access to our uh, online community. And then from there... We, we, we don't suggest any arrangement unless the borrower and the owner have met up at least once and have a meet and greet and see how the borrower reacts with your dog. And normally you can find out quite a lot about someone when you see them in the first 30 seconds a minute. You, you learn a lot about someone, and, and that's beyond even chatting to them back and forth over our messaging platform within the app. And your dog has a great sense of character as well, you know, so we don't let any a relationship or arrangement happen unless you've met at least once or twice and feel comfortable and see how the borrower is with your dog. Sure. So is this nationwide or is it just in Los Angeles? Uh, so, yeah, we're in the major cities. So we're currently in, uh, we launched in November and we received an incredible response nationwide from obviously LA, San Diego, San Francisco, San, Fran- uh, yeah, San Francisco, that's kind of the West Coast. And now we're also live in New York, Boston, Chicago, and Seattle as well. I think it's a great idea because there are a lot of people that just don't have time for an animal that want an animal in their life. And I, currently, I suggest that they go down to the shelters and uh, help out at the shelters. But this is also another kind of pretty another cool idea. Get your fix. That's, yeah, 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 absolutely right. And um, I'd love to kind of cover something there because I have that exact, exact same thought as well. We have thousands of people on our platform right now that um, that love dogs and may be ready to commit in a week or they may be ready to commit in six months. Either way, I wanted to provide an extra service where uh, these rescue dogs and uh, these shelter dogs, they're the ones that need love and they're the ones looking for a home. So I can't cover it too much, but we're currently um, partnering with a few nationwide um, organizations and rescues the website, BarkAndBorrow.com. BarkAndBorrow.com. We'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.com. Liam Berkeley, thank you so much for joining us today and telling us about Bark and Borrow. Thank you. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. More than 90 cities all across the country have now banned the sale of commercially bred dogs in pet stores, while Illinois and Maine have gone so far as to propose bills to ban the sale of puppies in pet stores across their states. In now the biggest win, the latest one for animal advocates and animals, Boston has become the latest major city to sign legislation banning the sale of commercially bred animals. The new law prohibits the sale of dogs, cats, and rabbits from commercial breeders at both pet stores and on public grounds like parking lots and those outdoor flea markets. The new bill also encourages adoption from local shelters. The mayor of Boston signed that bill into law last week, the very same day it was passed unanimously by the city council there. A 26-year-old man has been arrested in connection with the death of an Iditarod sled dog after he allegedly ran his snowmobile into two of those huge sled dog teams during the race. At least three other dogs were injured. The snowmobiler denies that he intentionally drove into those sled teams but was drunk and repeatedly went after them while on the snowmobile. Charges against him include assault, reckless endangerment, reckless driving, and six counts of criminal mischief. And a giant rabbit, this rabbit's so big, about the size of a terrier, has found a new home after being taken in by the SPCA in Scotland last month. Atlas is the rabbit's name. His previous owner decided they could no longer care for him. And then the shelter has spent the last month since searching for a proper home for this what they call abnormally large rabbit. The new pet parent says his name is Atlas and that he feels like he won the lottery because there were hundreds of calls and emails from people all over the world who wanted to adopt Atlas, including from as far away as countries America, Japan, France, and Canada. But by the way, Atlas's new name is almost as long and as big as he is. The new owner has named him Attila the Bun Binky Master Jazz Paws. They calls him Addy for short. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Well, you lucky dog, Animal Radio has kicked off the Every Pet is a Winner Pet Photo Contest. Have you uploaded your photos yet? Every pet entered will be featured in a Fido-friendly magazine spread. One cat photo will be randomly chosen to receive the -the top-of-the-line Armacat Cat Treehouse Condo. We put one of these in the studio almost two decades ago, and it's still standing strong. And then two dog photos will be randomly chosen to win the infamous Nina Otteson dog puzzles. You know, if you have a smart dog, 
you'll want to engage those brain games. Okay, so it's so easy to enter. Go to animalradio.com slash photo and upload your pet's photo. That's animalradio.com slash photo. But you got to enter before April 30th. Animalradio.com slash photo. Well, hi, Denise. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Where are you calling from today? Uh, Santa Clarita. California. Okay. So what's going on? Well, my dog, She's her name is Angel. It's a girl, and she's about 12 years old, I think. She's, um, I think she's like Crit Lab and Border Collie. She's only 29 pounds, but apparently she came down with a fungal infection in her sinus cavity, and it's like above in her head, actually. Ooh, what kind of fungus is it? They didn't actually say. Ooh, okay. Because that's important uh, to know. Oh, okay. Um, well, apparently I had, um, she was bleeding so bad, I almost lost her twice. She lost so much blood, she became so weak, and mm-hmm. I had to rush her to the specialty vet, and um, they did the CT scan and uh, the rhinoscope and all that stuff, and then they found, I guess, like fungus up in her sinus cavity. Okay. It kind of already, like, eaten some of the bone and stuff, and... Mm-hmm. Um, Right. So what they did is they drew, I didn't want them to do it. But they drilled holes in her little tiny head and put a catheter in there and they inserted that fungal cream. Okay, good. We did that for two sessions. Um, and she seemed to be okay after that, a little stable. But about eight months later, the symptoms started coming back where she's sneezing um, blood and she's got a, lots of mucus. It smells very infected. Mm-hmm. Um so last week I had to I took her back to the vet and they all they want to do is give me pills you know fungal pills and more antibiotics and I just I'm not a believer in pills for me personally but I'm just trying to do everything possible for my angel. Sure, no, definitely. Now this is a really um, I'd say a very challenging medical condition that you have going on. So are you seeing a regular veterinarian or I take it you've gone to a referral level clinic to have a, a CT done and such? Or is it a vet school? It, no, it's, um, no, I don't think it's a vet school. It's, I, um, it's actually the um, <clears throat> BCA of Woodland Hills specialty vet. Okay, so it's a specialty office. Okay, good, yeah. good. Yeah, so mm-hmm. when we have fungus in the nasal area, it's usually really bad. I mean, obviously that goes without saying, you understand that. Um, In some dogs, it can actually be a primary problem. In other dogs, um, we can actually find it kind of along with other things. Like there are sometimes a fungus that are a little bit more prone when a pet is immunosuppressed. So when they have immune system problems, or say even if they have some other kind of like a tumor or growth in the nasal passage. So some of that kind of response to what you asked is a little bit dependent on what kind of fungus they saw. Any type is not good, but um, there are some types that if we see that, we think, oh, you know, we may have missed, is there still the possibility there's cancer in there? And um, the problem is that both fungus and cancer can be very destructive. And that, that, creates a lot of this kind of long-term problem because either process destroys these we call turbinates so the sinus passages and that leads to just the chronic draining uh, the discharge the symptoms that can really persist Um, so the prognosis is guarded meaning that it's 
not likely we're going to be symptom free from here on out. It's a matter of what's the best kind of treatment protocol that can keep things at bay. So I, I would say definitely, you know, make sure you do ask them, hey, what kind of fungus is there? And are we comfortable that we didn't um, that we don't need to check to make sure there's not tumor at this time. Um, okay. Usually, you know, they biopsy that at the same time, um, but often we'll culture for fungus. Um, there's also some different blood tests that can help us to decide what kind of fungus we might have. So um, I think that part of the questions you should really kind of be prepared to ask that when you go back and say, okay, this discharge is going on now. Do we need to resume um, the the nasal therapy? And f- for the listeners that are like, oh my gosh, they drilled holes in her nose. What is that? Well, the problem is it's a hard area to treat. So we can't just easily give a pill to treat this type of fungus because it's you know deep in the sinus area. So in many cases, we'll either put the pet under anesthesia and do a catheter treatment where we'll infuse anti-yeast um, or antifungal medicines into the nasal cavity. Um, okay. If she had a catheter placed in there, that's kind of directing it right there to the source. So that's kind of why they drilled the holes in her nasal passages. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, that that's kind of a way to help facilitate. And there are some dogs that, you know, they have to go in and really kind of do what I call rotorootering. So they kind of have to go in and clean out the unhealthy tissue in the nasal passages because it, if it stays there, it just is a constant source of inflammation and continued infection. Um, and that's why a lot of dogs also are on antibiotics because they are so prone to getting infection, bacterial infection, along with the, um, you know, the fungus that they have. So I... Yeah, so I would make sure you you know you do find out and ask them what specific now, fungus is, it is. Is aspergillus uh, the name of the fungus, or is that a type of fungus? Uh-huh, yeah, that's that's, a, that's one of the types. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. then that's what they said it was. Is that a? That's, okay. I know it's not good. <laughs> Well, it's not good, but there's a, another fungus called Cryptococcus, which is, I don't want to say worse, but um, Aspergillus sometimes does occur, like as, as I mentioned, secondary to immune system problems or nasal cancers. And Labrador Retrievers are definitely a breed where we do see a lot of nasal cancers. So that's where I would also kind of make sure we go back and ask them, um, you know, have we taken samples? Did we feel we ruled that possibility out fully? Um, and if they did, then I think we're going to be looking at, you know, resuming some degree of antifungal therapy. Um, the, the most aggressive we can do, the better. I mean, as far as going ahead and putting the catheter back in her and putting, inserting that cream, you think? Yeah, yeah. That generally, like I said, that just giving the pills alone may help to suppress the disease to some point. But if we're tr- truly trying to knock it out and kind of improve things, um, try to stop the further destruction of the nasal turbinates, then, yeah, that, that would be part of things. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. It's, it's been a rocky road for us. And it's, uh... and, yeah, and it isn't cheap. It really is not. This is some high-level intensive care. So, um, so it's, yeah, she's, it's definitely um, a rough road. It is a rough road, honey, and, and the money is an issue. So that's the big, the, the big thing. I mean, I finally had to, you know, just force myself to go take her to the special event with my credit card because, uh, you know, it's like I'm like, I can't do this. I can't wait any longer, you know, mm-hmm. but I put mm-hmm. it off. I did, um, but, um, you know, unfortunately, it has to be about the money. Yeah. Well, you know. with with some expectation is, you know, if this is, and that's where I think a frank conversation with the veterinarians is, is this going to be the cycle? Is this is all the good we're going to get from here? And then I think you just need to kind of make your decisions on what's the best choice for her and for you from there. Right. Okay. Well, well my thoughts are with you and, and, and with little Angel, and hopefully, hopefully we can get her feeling better. I appreciate your time, and thank you so much, hon. 
Thanks for your call, Denise. We appreciate it. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. You know, here at Animal Radio, the studio cats have been using the Armor Cat cat trees for two decades. And you know, cats need to scratch, claw, and climb. And unlike any other tree, Armor Cat furniture is strong, durable, and really reliable. Armor Cat's best-in-class cat trees and beds all come with six-month warranties. Go to ArmorCat.com. That's A-R-M-A-R-K-A-T.com. And give your cat the tree they deserve. And get 15% off using the code ANIMALRADIO. You're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Hey, Wendy, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well, thank you. Where are you calling from today? From Biola, California. Where is Viola? Is that northern or southern? Um, well, kind of towards the middle. Well, it's next to Fresno. Oh, next to Fresno. Okay. Yes. How can we help you? I have the gang all here for you. Well, I have a question. Um, I have three weenie dogs, and um, I love them. I've had them all for um, between 6 and 13 years, and um, they sleep with me in bed. Um, and, however, I'm seven months pregnant, and mm-hmm. uh, I have a new baby coming, my first baby. And my dogs like to jump up in the middle of the night if they hear a noise, and they'll start barking, and they'll jump off the bed and run out the doggy door to go see what's going on outside. And then they do this maybe, you know, twice a night or so. And my question is, how do I go about training them not to do that? Because once the baby gets here, they're going to, you know, startle it by barking in the middle of the night or, or you know, wake it up. Um, so how do I go about training them not to do that? Okay. Well, th- this can be a complicated answer because a lot of this, you have to make some decisions about your future and your dog's future. Um, the first thing is, um, are you going to try to maintain that relationship of having them all sleep in bed with you um, after the baby comes? Okay. No, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set them up their own doggy spot when the baby gets okay. here. However, okay. I mean, I, I, yeah, that's... That's something I need to work on too. That's that's yeah. That's definitely number one. And and you've only got a few months to go. So this is this is a very complicated thing to uh, turn around in a short period of time. Time because there's a lot of factors going on. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is you have unrestrained access for your dogs to go bark to their own delight outside. And barking is delightful for dogs. It, it is a self rewarding right. behavior. So there's every time they do that, they're having a blast. They're having fun, and they also think they're doing a very important job for your household so the the sleeping situation is one thing and then this access is going to be the other so even if we say put them in another room put them in kennels um, they're going to bark and they're going to bark because they've had this pattern of thinking they're doing their job and then enjoying the the rewards of it is how they feel afterwards so that's kind of the first thing is training them now to where you want them to sleep and how your expectations are going to be about that and if that includes kenneling them and I hope that they are kennel comfortable so that this isn't going to be a a big change for them um, that's certainly one thing if you're not going to kennel restrain them and and confine them um, then closing off the doggy door and starting that transition at least at this point is going to be very important because um, we want our dogs to bark when something is, you know, right. upsetting, something startling, but not when, you know, the, 
the wind is blowing, not when it's raining or someone's walking by your house. So that's going to be the challenge. And and you got, as as you were telling your history, you said, we need dogs. I was like, oh, this is either going to be about barking or aggression (laughs) because they're fun dogs, but they definitely have their little, little, little quirks when it comes to some of these behavioral things. I don't mind if they jump up, you know, but just, just don't start barking until you get out of the doggy door. Then you can bark. You know, well, you can't. Well, you can't tell them that. That that's that's yeah, not going to be an easy thing. <laughs> so here, are some of the things to think about. Number the, number one thing is look at the with this behavior as it's happening, and sometimes there'll be like a pack leader when it comes to barking. There's someone who starts the alert, and everyone else kind of right. joins in, and and then you know realizing that that it is it's a pack behavior that uh, one gets them going, and then they all join in, and it's kind of like a group fun. So. Um, we need to work on each of them and train them individually, but often I'll focus my efforts on that that leader of of the group. Um, okay. So in a lot of that is working on uh, focus and training them to listen and to sit at your command despite the distractions. Um, the other thing, and I mention this um, because not because I'm into you know punishment or discipline, but for some folks with multiple pets, and especially in a short period of time, it can be hard to work on training unless you get a, a, a private trainer to help you and to change all these behaviors in a short period of time that you may actually look at something like the, um, the ultrasonic um, devices for barking. Um, oh. the, the bar collars in your situation, I don't really recommend. You've got three dogs. I, you know, I don't think that's going to be the most helpful, especially because you got all these other factors of them all grouping together. Um, mm-hmm. but I have had some clients that have had success with the ultrasonic deterrence. Um, the problem is some dogs get used to them after time and, you know, they may not, it may stop them for a while and then they become refractory and they'll start barking after they get used to that kind of, uh, sound that, uh, it doesn't hurt them, but it's, it's meant to be a distraction and to irritate them. How, do, how um, does that work, the ultrasonic uh, devices? Is, is that something they wear on a collar or is that something I just plug in in the house? It's something you plug in, and it's usually, I don't like it for, like, enclosed areas, like really small areas, but if it's for a room in a house, um, it can be helpful. Yeah, so it basically, um, it'll, it goes off as the dog makes a barking sound. It would be the equivalent of uh, having a foghorn and blowing it, but not having the whole household wake up. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, okay. I'll take that into consideration. Thank you. So, I yeah. about that. But by itself, you know, this isn't going to fix it. But with all these other steps, um, you know, I think you could certainly get get some good headway with this. All righty. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna look into that, and I'm gonna yes. obtain that device. Wendy, whatever you do, if you're going to start kicking them out of the bedroom and changing their sleeping habits, do it before the baby comes. Start now because if you wait until the baby comes, they're going to attribute that negativity to the baby. And they're going to assume that, Mm -hmm. God, I'm kicked out of the room. Look at that baby's here. Now I'm kicked out. I don't like that baby. But if you start now before the baby comes, then they won't associate it with the baby. Okay, I'm going to have to do that now. And and, and the trick is I'm supposed to just like kick them off the bed and not let them climb on the bed and and just let them because i have one she likes to whine and sit there and cry if i don't let her on bed so i have to just let her do that until she's tired of it right yeah and and recognize that the bed is the bed but the furniture is the furniture and in the the dog's mind they don't see those as different things be ready (laughs) okay i know i'm in for it i know i know thank you for your call wendy hopefully it'll be one of those picturesque scenes where you see the baby and the dog just (laughs) hanging out and sleeping together
Admit it. You love your dog, and he is part of the family. So when choosing your next vacation, don't forget Fido. With just a little planning, the entire family can enjoy a road trip. To find the best vacation spot for Spot, subscribe to Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog, where each issue includes hotel and destination reviews, where both you and Fido are welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and find out what all the barking's about. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Okay, you irate cat owners, this is the hour you're going to find out why they think we're neurotic and why dogs are better than cats. That's according to a survey that Catherine Bow did, and uh, we'll find out her methodology in just a few minutes. The phones have been ringing nonstop. Please stop until she gets on the air, okay? Let's find out what she needs to say first. Yeah, listen, hear her out. Yes. By the way, you you cat people, we, we're, we're an angry type, you know? We're <laughs> Cat people are vocal, that's all. That's what we are. And I am, uh, of course, I'm a cat person. Judy, you're more of a dog person, right? Yeah, that's my primary. I mean, I love cats, too. I've always had cats, but I'm kind of primary as my dog. There you go. Yeah. What about you, Dr. Debbie? Are you a cat person or a dog person? You know, I've I've evolved. I used to be a cat person, and I'm now dog-centric. Yeah. Yeah, there I you go. Different, different points in your life. Oh. You know, when I was younger, <laughs> I lived in apartments. I was a cat person. And now, you know, I'm more, like, outdoorsy. And, you know, most cats don't dig going hiking with you, so I'm more dogsy now. There you go. Uh, okay. See, I've evolved, too. I used to have a lot of cats, and now I'm I'm offended there. What about you, Lori? I'm bi. Yes, I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> anything, anything with four legs on it is, yes, is your yes. deal. Yes. Okay. Well, it doesn't Absolutely. matter. We're all crazy about our animals. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget, you can ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. So this hour, we're going to find out the whole deal about the cats and then being neurotic and everything. And also, mm-hmm. we're going to talk to Rob Myas, very charismatic guy, I understand, who's a bat lover. He loves bats. He's a little batty. He is, he's very batty. Very batty. And he thinks they're misunderstood. And he's actually, he has an auction uh, where there's signed uh, Ben Affleck memorabilia type of stuff. What is it? Uh, Bat it's, House or something like it's that? It's actually from the set, uh, Batman versus Superman. After the movie was filmed, they tore down the set and they actually used the props and made Bat Houses. Bat Houses. And Ben Affleck and Zack Snyder, they both helped and they, they signed a few, autographed them and painted them. And they have like 113 of these bats houses that they are auctioning off to help the bat conservation and help these bats. Hey, I'm going to stick That's around for this. That's a great idea. Yes, it is. It is a great idea. We'll find out what he's all about in just a few minutes. But first, let's go to the, the phones for your calls. In just a couple of minutes, we'll check news with Lori Brooks. And what are you working on for this hour? Well, there's a new species of tick that is spreading all across the country. Ooh. It's spreading slowly, but it is moving to other areas. And you know what? It might not be a good thing that they're naming this after the state of Texas. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I understand. You know, ticks can carry so many diseases, too. So we'll, right. we'll find out about that in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. Uh, Dr. Debbie, have you seen more tick problems at the office? You know, uh, not not so far in the in this year, but uh, we don't really have fleas in Las Vegas, yes. so we do have ticks. But um, you know, they're not as heavily represented as other parts of the country, where you know you just go out into the woods and you're peppered with them. Ladybug had a tick one time. Did she have a tick? 
She did. Yes, did you get did. it out of her, or is that you just... did? Don't oh, you did remember? I don't even remember. Yeah, senior moment, I guess. It wasn't even. I'm surprised it wasn't really embedded in her. It was just kind of on her. It wasn't, you know. Buried. It was getting ready to have a, a blood meal, right? Maybe he was just getting ready, ready to, to get a feast. Yeah, mm-hmm. we caught him just in time. I had a tick on my leg once when we were camping, really? and my husband sat there and laughed at me. I was oh, freaking man. out because oh. it was feeding. It was getting big, oh. and he's like, "Oh, it's fine, really." <laughs> What a guy. But they generally they generally have to feed for about 48 hours before disease transmission occurs. So he was just thinking it was funny because it had just relatively recently happened. Uh, you guys have a wild, wacky sense of humor. So did he actually, yeah. did he help you remove it? Yes, he did. Yeah, because of course I was, you know, panicked beyond reason, which, you know, after looking back, it was silly. Um, ticks, I see them all the time at work, but I never saw them by myself. But that's what freaked me out. Well, they freak me out too. I wouldn't want anything stuck in my blood, no matter how long. Uh, see, I remember being in second grade back in Virginia, and I was felt something on my head, and I scratched, and I had a tick on my <sighs> head, and I freaked, and I grabbed it and pulled it out and threw it across the classroom and just sat there and just went. <laughs> I don't know where it landed or anything, but. Uh, is everybody right now scratching? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got an itch right on my head again. It's, it's TikTok on Animal Radio. TikTok. <laughs> okay, let's take one for, uh, this is for Joey. Okay, for one for groomer Joey Volani, we have Kitty on the phone. Hey, Kitty, welcome to the show. Hello. What's going on? Well, I have a cat that is too fat. She doesn't groom herself. Uh. And... um I was wondering if I could get her shaved instead of, you know, messing with the hairballs and having her brushed out because I have to take her to the vet. They have to sedate her and then brush her out because she won't let me do it. So she doesn't, um, she's not happy being groomed either, is that correct? No. And she bites me if I try to do it. She bites you if you try to do it. Okay, so that's something. Believe me, a nasty cat is a lot more dangerous than a um, nasty dog. They have a lot of um, types of bacteria in their mouth, and when they bite you, sometimes it can be pretty pretty nasty. Um, is it a long or a short-haired cat, first of all? She's long-haired. Okay, okay. And have you ever had a, had a groomer um, work on the cat? No. Okay, what I would try... Not that I'm trying to take anything out of the veterinarian's hands, but sometimes in in a grooming salon, um, a professional groomer, because they do it all the time, may have a lot more success um, removing the knots and tangles. Now, depending upon how serious they are, would really determine, um, you know, if if they can remove them or not. Um, a lot of times, a cat, though, even though um, it seems like this hopeless, if you take your time and you have two people work on the cat where they take their time and the cat's not stressed out, a lot of times you could work it out. Now, can you clip the cat down? You absolutely can. But my question to you is, did you ever do that before to this particular cat? No. Sometimes what happens is when... Um, You clip cats down short because there really isn't, you don't have much of a variation. You either have to go real short or you got to leave it full coated. And that's only because of safety reasons. The blade that you have to use on the cat cuts um, to one eighth of an inch um, off of the skin. So basically it's it's bald. 
what happens is a lot of times the cats know that there is a change. They don't know exactly what it is. And sometimes we'll go into a state of depression with a hide or, um, you know, I mean, just, just not want to see anyone because they're embarrassed of, of, you know, what has become of them. Even though they don't know exactly what it is, they just know it's a change. If you do have to do that, the most important thing is, is you don't want to laugh at the cat. You don't want to change anything. Cause believe me, they know, they know if, if, if they're being laughed at, they know if, if it's a different situation. So if it has to be clipped down, um, I would use it as the last resort, but I would try your professional groomer first for a couple reasons. I wouldn't want to sedate a cat unless I really, really had to only because it's not real, you know, it's not real good on this system. Um, and the groomer will tell you within the first 10 minutes of the grooming, either call you up and say, well, listen, please come pick up your cat. We can't do it. And then in that situation, you'll have to go to your veterinarian and do what's ever necessary at that time. But if you get a good cat groomer, a lot of times they'll put two people on the cat. One holds the cat where the cat can't bite or scratch the other one. And after a while, if you take your time, sometimes they calm down a little bit, especially if it's in an environment where there's um, no dogs barking and, and it's a little bit quiet. And they'll calm down and, and um, sometimes like the professional grooming. And the good thing about that is it also may make the cat like to be brushed at home and, um, you know, break that that whole cycle. Okay, well, I'll try that. Okay, unfortunately, I wish I had a miracle spray that I could tell you about, but there's not. It's just, it's just, um, you know, just brushing and combing. And, um, you know, I, I would try that first, and um, hopefully they can um, help you out there. Okay. Thanks for your call, Kitty. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hello, Animal Radians. It's Robert Simro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List, Pet Holiday Calendar Musings. So I love a good holiday celebration as much as the next person, especially if it might mean a day off or a family get-together. But as I was looking at the holiday calendar to make a few plans... I was shocked. Between this day being celebrated and that month celebrating this, it turns out that practically every day, week, and or month is filled with celebrations. And a quick look showed me more than 40 special month decrees like National Pet Month, Pet Cancer Awareness Month, and so much more. And when I add in the special days or weeks like National Dog Party Day, Dress Your Pet Day, Pet Theft Awareness Day, and more, I add an additional 75-plus holiday celebrations for pets. But since you can never have too many holidays, I figured I'd suggest a few that I know we are desperately missing. That's right. Make your pet a homemade treat month. Seriously, nothing says I love you and cherish you like a homemade treat or 12. That's right, find a simple, fun, and healthy treat to make your pet. Dog owners, I've shown you on our YouTube channel numerous healthy, simple, and inexpensive treats that you can make at home. And if it takes creating a special declaration month to get you to try it, so be it. Additionally, I get asked so often about which treat is the safest or the best or the healthiest. For me, the answer will always be the safest treat is the treat that I personally prepared and I know exactly what went into it. The next month that I want to add to the special pet month's calendar is a month that celebrates people making a difference for animals in the world month. That's right, a month that celebrates all of the scientists, researchers, rescuers, rehabilitators, and daily caretakers of animals in need. Sure, we have awareness months for breeds and causes, but the people putting their time, effort, money, and passion behind these organizations and efforts deserve a month of giant thank yous. 
Let me be the first to say to you all, and I know many of you listen to Animal Radio, thank you for all that you do for the animal world. It makes a huge difference, and you and your efforts are appreciated. Finally, this last one is a little bit self-serving, but I believe that there should be an Animal Radio Month, one that celebrates all of the wonderful animal people, experts, and devotees who have made this show something special for so many years. The good news is that the archives have many of these great interviews and shows just waiting for you to listen, learn from, and enjoy. You know, now that I think about it, I'm not so sure a month would be a good idea for any of those ideas, as they should all be done year-round. So if you have an opening in your calendar for a celebration, celebrate the special animals in your life, and they'll be more than happy to celebrate with you. Share your ideas for possible pet holidays on our Animal Radio Facebook page. You know, here at Animal Radio, the studio cats have been using the Armor Cat cat trees for two decades. And you know, cats need to scratch, claw, and climb. And unlike any other tree, Armor Cat furniture is strong, durable, and really reliable. Armor Cat's best-in-class cat trees and beds all come with six-month warranties. Go to ArmorCat.com. That's A-R-M-A-R-K-A-T dot com. And give your cat the tree they deserve. And get 15% off using the code ANIMALRADIO. If you've uh, spent any amount of time at our Facebook page... The Animal Radio Facebook page. You've seen many videos of bats, rescue bats. They're our friends. You know what? They're so cute. And uh, I think a little bit misunderstood. People freak out immediately. But they're so Mm -hmm. cute. And they're little beady eyes staring up at you in these little videos. The one actually looks like a little dog. It's called the flying fox or something. And it looks like a dog. They're so cute. They're real cute. Yeah. You know who we have on the phone with us? TV personality, (laughs) conservation biologist, and bat expert author, executive director of the Organization for Bat Conservation, joining us, Rob Myas. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me on. First, uh, you're kind of a batty guy also, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been studying bats for 25 years. Why Why the intrigue? You know, I, I think one of the reasons why is that there's so many different kinds and they're found all over the world. They eat so many different kinds of things. They're incredibly ecologically and economically important, and people know none of that. You know, people know that bats are blind, they're going to suck their blood, and they're going to build a nest in your hair. That's what people think. <laughs> the hair, that, that was the one that always got me. Uh, so, so they're misunderstood is what you're saying also. <laughs> right. So bats, uh, bats are not blind. Uh, bats in the United States primarily all eat insects, and as a matter of fact, they they are the primary predators of nighttime insects. And there's that one bat could eat up to five thousand insects a night. So Whoa. bats are bats are incredibly important to us, and economically, they eat tons of moths and beetles that destroy our crops, our forests, and our gardens. Hmm. I heard somewhere they were uh, responsible for tequila. <laughs> That's right. You know, so bats are also pollinators and seed dispersers of hundreds of species of plants. So dates and figs, banana, mango, pineapple, they all rely on bats. And agave that we make tequila from is only pollinated by bats. Wow. There you go. Think about that the and next time. There, there's only like two varieties in the world, two species in the world that are actually bloodsuckers. 
So three, three? right? Okay. So uh, there's 1,300 different kinds of bats in the world, and wow. three of them are wow. vampire bats. They live in Central and South America. They're small bats. They're actually very similar to, to the size of most insect-eating bats in people's cities. And uh, they feed almost entirely off of cows. Cows? They go up and they make a really small bite off, uh, uh, on cattle, drink about a spoon's worth of blood. And what's really interesting is they have an anti-clotting enzyme in their saliva that helps to keep the blood flowing as long as they keep licking. They, they, they lick a spoon's worth of blood, and then they walk away and fly off. Oh, I guess a cow. Wow. Does it leave like a big welt on the cow? It's a tiny little uh, uh, small pinprick of a hole, and uh, and it clots uh, uh, up right away. That's like a mosquito, right? A mosquito yeah. does that. I wonder if, I, if cows can even feel it. They probably really? don't feel it much because they're also being bit by lots of insects in the tropics. So remember, this is like you know southern Mexico and Central and South America. So they're always being bit by big insects and birds and all kinds of things. Would I be able to buy some bats or raise bats to help combat mosquitoes in my area? Good question. Unfortunately, bats do easily fly away. So if you tried to relocate <laughs> bats, they would fly away. What you want to do is you want to put up a bat house in your, in, you know, in your backyard or in your neighborhood. That gives local wow. bats a safe, warm, dry place to raise their babies. And uh, during the during usually spring, summer, fall, bats use bath houses. Um, they would typically live in dead or dying trees, but in most neighborhoods, dead and dying trees are cut down. So a bathhouse gives bats an alternative. It also keeps them from living in your attic as well. I got to ask, do you have bats at home? <laughs> you know, I work in at, your uh, belfry. I work, <laughs> I work at the Bat Zone, um, which is at the Cranbrook Institute of Science. It's a natural history museum. So the, the, the bats live here. We have about 200 uh, uh, bats at our wildlife rescue here. You know, people can actually go online and watch our bats. We have a couple of uh, live video cameras, video feeds going all the time. One is in our vampire bat enclosure. The other one is in our fruit bat enclosure. So right from our right from our homepage, uh, batconservation.org, people can log in and watch the bats that live here. I'm going to do that oh, as soon as we take a break here. Batconservation.org. Yeah. I want a bat house. No, 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 no. So now tell us about the auction. We were so lucky because the Batman versus Superman movie was filmed just a few miles from our museum, and Zack Snyder is the director of that movie. Well, he found out that bats were dying from an invasive uh, fungus. Uh, it came from Europe. It landed here in the United States about 10 years ago, and it slowly spread across, well, actually kind of quickly spread across the United States. And uh, when he was filming here, it had just been announced that this fungus got into Michigan and got into Wisconsin, where he's from. And what happens is the fungus grows in caves and mines, and when the bats hibernate, they, uh, the fungus grows on them. If, if it's there, it wakes them up too many times, and they end up starving before the winter is over. Currently, that fungus is in um, 30 states, five provinces in Canada, and about a million bats a year are dying. It's going to be the biggest wildlife catastrophe in North America in the last century. Mm. So Zack Snyder, the director of Batman vs. Superman, hears about this and says, what are we going to do about it? So he contacted our museum, and I went to the set, and we talked all about protecting bats, and one of the key things is putting up a bat house. And he said, what if we built bat houses out of the movie set? And so we built 113 bathhouses out of the movie set, and we had a day where the cast and crew painted them, built them, 
painted them, and a bunch of them are autographed as well by Ben Affleck. Amy Adams built and painted some of them. Uh, Zack Snyder did too. And so currently, right now, we're auctioning those bat houses off to raise money to help combat white-nose syndrome, this fungus that's killing bats, and especially to help support our wildlife rescued bats that live here that are our educational animals. Okay, we are with the very batty Rob Myers, and we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143-800-689-0143-800-689-0143-That's 800-689-0143 Hi, this is Elaine Hendricks on Animal Radio. Please. Adopt a pet. It is Animal Radio, and we are with Batty Professor Rob Myers, who's just told us about the Celebrity Bat House auction, where you can buy a bat house built by a celebrity like Ben Affleck. So, wow. what a genius idea. Yeah. If, if I win this auction here, I will have a bat house and I will use it for that purpose, or is it just a. a if if a, you build it, will they come? Yes. Yes. So, here's. So there's two things about this, right? Well, one is you could buy it as a collector's item and have it in your house because it was built from the set by cast and crew. (laughs) It was painted on the set by cast and crew. And then some of them are specifically autographed by like Ben Affleck. So you could keep it. You could put a, you know, you could put a shellac finish on it, a couple of coats of finish on it and put it outside um, if you wanted to keep the artwork on it. But all these bathhouses are completely functional. So as long as you don't mind if a woodpecker pecks on it a little bit or the snow builds up on it or the wind blows on it, every single one of these bathhouses is made to scientific specifications that will work to attract bats. This is wild. Okay, we've put links over at AnimalRadio.com to both BatConservation.org and the eBay webpage where you can bid on these bat houses if you'd like hurry up you have till april 4th yes so you got to do it now the the auction's already started so you got to get over there do it now and make sure that you get your bids in and of course you're helping the bats i don't think i'd ever say that in my lifetime (laughs) i gotta go check it out i want one rob thanks so much for joining us today Thanks a lot for having me on. And, you know, um, many people don't uh, don't know that bats are important. And this is one of the, the great things that we can do is to teach people that bats are economically and ecologically important. But there's things that people can do in their backyard, like put up a bat house or donate money to our cause. There you go. And if you drink the tequila, you're going to want to, you know, protect the bats. That's all I'm saying. Is that why there's a little bat on the – is it a bat on the uh, Bacardi label? I don't know. Bat, there is a bat on the Bacardi label, and it was because they they actually uh, fermented the uh, the rum in caves 
and bats were in some of those caves. So they they uh-huh. uh, they liked the bat. They thought it was really cool, and they put it on their uh, as their logo. <laughs> you know so you much. You know everything about bats. <laughs> He certainly did know a lot about bats, He's doesn't very he? very bad. He took that out of my mouth. <laughs> You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Paul Reiser, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Every minute you're here, you're not harming someone else. I don't know what that means. <laughs> if it's usable, use it. Otherwise, cut it and get out. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Be on the lookout because ticks are on the move all over the country now. They're spreading. New research out of Kansas suggests that the Lone Star Tick, a bloodsucker named after the state of Texas, is nearing the Colorado border now. Until recently, researchers believed that the Lone Star Tick was pretty isolated in the eastern third of Kansas. Ecological models had suggested climate change has expanded the amount of habitat in Kansas, which is now suitable for the Lone Star Tick, which, by the way, is a vector to numerous diseases. Felix the cat, who happens to be a girl cat, has been working like a dog catching vermin from a train station in England, and she's been rewarded now with the official title of Senior Pest Controller. That title comes with her own ridiculously cute uniform, which is a bright yellow cat safety coat and her own official name tag. They say Felix arrived at the station when she was only nine weeks old and has since spent thousands of hours keeping the platforms free of things like pigeons, rats, and other train station intruders that passengers don't want to see. During her downtime, Felix is often seen watching over staff in their cozy ticket office or sitting next to passengers on benches waiting for their next train. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Well, hello, friend. You should probably know Animal Radio has kicked off the Every Pet is a Winner Pet Photo Contest. Have you uploaded your photo yet? Every pet entered will be featured in a Fido-friendly magazine spread. And one cat photo will be randomly chosen to receive the -the top-of-the-line Armacat Cat Treehouse Condo. In fact, we put one of these cat trees in the studio almost two decades ago, and it's still standing strong. And two dog photos will be randomly chosen to win the infamous Nina Otteson dog puzzles. If you have a smart dog, you'll want to engage those brain games. Okay, it's so easy to enter. Go to AnimalRadio.com slash photo and upload your pet's photos. That's AnimalRadio.com slash photo. You got to enter before April 30th. AnimalRadio.com slash photo photo hi fran hi how are you okay how are you guys good where are you good i'm in wyoming wyoming okay yes how can we help us well i have a question for dr debbie okay Um, what can i do for you then well i have three cats okay my Mm -hmm. oldest is 12 and her digestive system is, um, well, it, 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 I have to watch what I give her. Um, okay. Otherwise, she throws up or she gets the runs really bad. Mm. Um, 
My other two, they're younger, and uh, they can eat almost anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But my question is, I took my boyfriend, and him and I went looking at dog food, er, at cat food and dog food, but we went to a nice, um, like an organic place, and we looked at like the Paul Newman and the the Manuva and all that, and we were looking at the ingredients. Then we went to um, Walmart, and we looked at other ingredients in um, whiskers and um, um, thymes and things like that, and there's such a big difference. My question is, what are the good ingredients and what are the bad ingredients in cat (laughs) and dog food? Are they the same, or, I mean, what do you look for? Okay, gosh. And that is a hard question. Um, so you're really making this challenging for me. And the reason it's hard is because there's not a blanket answer that we can say because every pet is different. Um, so sometimes life stages or health conditions might lean us towards one diet for one pet versus another. Now, some generalities that I can tell you is that when you're kind of looking and comparing labels, now I have a lot of folks that'll say, I looked at the label of Old Roy and I looked at the label of this expensive uh, boutique food and they have the same actual ingredients listed, maybe in a different order. How do you know which is which? Well, a couple ways. One is that I always look at the ingredients and we want to see because cats are carnivores. They eat meat primarily in the wild. So we want to make sure we've got a good quality meat protein listed as one of the first couple ingredients. That's very important. Um, I would prefer to see that at the top of the list versus at the bottom of the list of ingredients. Now, the other thing that I look at is that I look at the brand. And if I'm looking at a brand of dog food or cat food, I'm going to look a little bit for the company name and the reputation of the company. And granted, the food food recall kind of shattered a lot of some of these images, but if I am not familiar with that company and I can't look it up and see that they've done feeding trials on that food and I'm not comfortable that that food has actually been something other than a little batch that someone made up, um, even if it is organic and they made up this little batch on the side, I want to make sure that I've got a company that stands behind the food. I can get a live person on the phone if I have a concern or problem. So I look for a phone number that I can call if I have questions or concerns. Mm. And I think that's very important. Um, but as far as other things, there's a lot of things I'll avoid. I avoid some of looking for some of the little preservatives, the BHA, BHTs. If you're seeing those kind of things in there, I kind of steer away from that. I want to see good quality ingredients that are simple and easy to read mm. and keep that in mind. And uh, I think sticking with some of the other general recommendations um, of life stages, older cats, need more of a senior or an older cat formula. So you might not have one food that meets all your kitty's needs. So it is confusing. I I know that. I've looked there, and it it is a complicated process in reading the label. And there are some good resources out there. Um, There's actually a website that I believe is called the Dog Food Project, and it kind of goes through and can kind of help you in reading the label, what's fact, what's fiction, what do you need to worry about, and and that might be helpful for you as well. We have a link to that at AnimalRadio.com. One of the calls we get every week is about meal. What is meal? Bone meal, Mm -hmm. uh, chicken meal. Is this a protein? Is it? Should this be the top one of the top two ingredients? 
Well, and I think meal is pretty much, it's, it's pretty much, and I'll probably get it wrong, but it, it's not a bad thing. So we want to see, say, either chicken, chicken meal, um, that has some of the good components in there. So it's not necessarily all bad stuff. When we look at byproducts, byproducts is a word that gets us a little bit more uh-huh. concerned because we're getting enterals, you know, we're getting, uh, you know, claws of the chicken. You're getting mm-hmm. other things that, you know, the quality of the protein is going to be on the lower end of the scale. But if you've got meal, you've got better quality nutrients than you do in the byproduct type thing. Um, but yes, I would say definitely you can read on that website. They go through all the definitions very thoroughly. And um, it is an education process, isn't it? <laughs> it really it really is. You can learn more at AnimalRadio.com. Help make an educated decision on what kind of food to feed your animals. We have all that uh, information there as well as links to independent research that'll help you make an educated decision about what kind of food to feed your animals. Well, you lucky dog, Animal Radio has kicked off the Every Pet is a Winner Pet Photo Contest. Have you uploaded your photos yet? Every pet entered will be featured in a Fido-friendly magazine spread. One cat photo will be randomly chosen to receive the -the top-of-the-line Armacat Cat Treehouse Condo. We put one of these in the studio almost two decades ago, and it's still standing strong. And then two dog photos will be randomly chosen to win the infamous Nina Otteson dog puzzles. You know, if you have a smart dog, you'll want to engage those brain games. Okay, so it's so easy to enter. Go to AnimalRadio.com slash photo and upload your pet's photo. That's AnimalRadio.com slash photo. But you got to enter before April 30th, animalradio.com slash photo. Check out Animal Radio highlights, all the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. Some might call us crazy, a little over the edge. We love our pets a lot. I love my cats a lot. Too much, Hal. Well, you know what? You're kind of a dog person anyway. I am. More I'm than, more than, than a cat yes. person. You can't love them too much. Yes. Well, you think I'm a crazy cat guy. I know that. You are. You are think you? Well, t- damn straight. Oh, you don't know the half of it. <laughs> they say that, uh, well, there's actually been a couple of studies that say that uh, cat people are just a little more nutty, a little more neurotic than dog people. You fit the bill, Hal. <laughs> the yeah, shoe fits. definitely. Okay, <laughs> so you are a cat person. I believe that totally. <laughs> I just saw a study a couple of weeks ago from uh, Manhattanville College done by the assistant professor, Catherine Bowe. And she works over the psychology department over there, and they, they did a study that uh, may enlighten us a little bit about cat lovers and dog lovers, and we welcome and her to the like show. You. And me. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing, Catherine? I'm great. How are you? Very well. So what did the study exactly tell us? Um, well, so I was looking at um, pet ownership and happiness. Um, uh-huh. I'm a happiness researcher by training <laughs> and a pet owner, and so... First, I was just looking to compare people who own pets and those who don't. Are pet owners actually happier than non-pet owners? And for the most part, I didn't really find many differences there. Um, I did find that pet owners were higher in life satisfaction than non-pet owners, but across all other domains of well-being, I didn't really find any differences. Happiness, positive emotions, negative emotions. 
So then I thought, well, what about the type of pet people own? So uh-huh. I looked at cat owners and dog owners, and there I saw a much clearer pattern that uh, dog owners were happier, more satisfied with life, um, experienced more positive emotions, fewer negative emotions than cat owners. Okay, so you're saying dog owners are more happy. What, what constitutes happy anyway? Because that's very subjective. Well, in psychology, we tend to think about it as having two main factors generally. There's the cognitive um, component of more life satisfaction, how do you evaluate your life overall, as well as the more emotional component um, about how many positive and negative emotions you experience and how intense they are. So we tend to think of happy people as having high life satisfaction, experiencing lots of positive emotions and not very many negative emotions. Sure, sure. So the, uh, the dog owners seem to be more happy. Is there a reason why? Um, well, we looked at a few different possible variables. Um, one is personality. So we see also personality differences between dog owners and cat owners. Um, so, for example, dog owners tend to be more neurotic, like you, or less neurotic, sorry, um, like you said, and more extroverted. And we find that those are associated with happiness. So that's partially explaining why we're seeing these differences between cat and dog owners. Do dogs make you less neurotic or do less neurotic people choose dogs? It's impossible to tell just from this study, but I tend to think it's probably a little bit of both, um, that probably our personality traits in part tend to predict what type of pet we're drawn to. So maybe if you're more extroverted, you're going to want a dog that you're able to walk around and meet new people and all those sorts of things, um, whereas maybe if you're more introverted, you're going to want to own a cat. Um, but I could also see how owning a pet could actually influence your personality. Our personality is not fixed. Um, so maybe that if you are not particularly extroverted, but you adopt a dog, now suddenly you're walking your dog, you're meeting people in a neighborhood that you've never seen before, and maybe you're becoming slightly more extroverted. Boy, that, that's me to a T. That's, that's, and, cat, and the cat thing about neurotic really describes you, Hal. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any research about uh, which of the sexes are drawn more to cats and which are drawn more to dogs? Um, not that I'm aware of. In my study, I didn't really find any differences there. So how are, how are people reacting to this study? Are they saying hogwash, or what are they saying to you mostly? Yeah, people, a lot of cat owners are very upset with me. <laughs> um, and, and I'm actually a cat owner myself. Um, I love cats. So, so I don't take this to mean that cat owners can't be happy or anything like that. I consider myself a very happy cat owner. Um, but there definitely seems to be a rivalry between cat and dog owners, and uh, cat owners haven't been super happy with my findings. <laughs> so you're working on a brand new study, is that correct? Yes. And, and what is it again? So I'm doing a longitudinal study where I'm following people over the first year of pet ownership to see if people's happiness changes over that first year of pet ownership. Um, so like I said earlier, we didn't really find many differences in happiness between pet owners and non-pet owners. And maybe part of the reason for that is that pet owners have sort of adapted to owning a pet. So they've gotten used to it. But maybe when you first adopt a pet, you get kind of a boost in happiness from that. So I wanted to see if we see that pattern in a sample of people who just adopted a pet. Will you please keep well, you're us... you're doing some valuable research. Yes. Yeah, I, I like your rescuing job. Rescuing pets. <laughs> please, uh, please keep up the great work and uh, keep us posted as to the results of your next study. Will you do that? Sure. Thank you so much. Assistant Professor Catherine Bao of the Psychology Department at Manhattanville College. And you know what? I think if my cats didn't demand so much from me, like feedings at three or four in the morning and to, to slave after them, that I'd be a happier guy all around.
Well, you know, you can set some boundaries and rules, restrictions, Hal. You don't have to get up five times a night to feed your cats. See, you know, like I said I you're not a cat owner. I, <laughs> I would tell these upset cat owners, get a dog and it'll balance you out. <laughs> It'll make you happier. That's right. There you go. Now, wasn't that fun? I had so much fun, and I learned so much today. And I know. I learned a lot today. You know what? I don't mind being that neurotic cat guy. <laughs> so, uh, and I don't mind being that happy dog girl. Whatever it takes, right? Thanks for joining us today. Remember, you can get your fix over at AnimalRadio.com, and don't forget to download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. We'll catch you next week right here for more Animal Radio. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network.